This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I'm Dan McNeil, and this is the Danny Mac Podcast on Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I do this twice a week. This is uh, an additional show this week after getting news yesterday of the passing of NHL great Bobby Hull. I want to talk at length about his career and what people have said about him in the last 24 hours in my experiences with um, probably the greatest player in Blackhawks history. It is, it is not a happy time for me today. I have not had a lot of happiness lately because for the eighth time in or third time in eight days, I, I found myself getting news Yesterday of the death of a friend, and um, it started a week ago Sunday when we all learned, Chicago radio fans learned of the passing of Lynn Bramer, who was 68 and died of cancer. Uh, I had worked with Lynn for a number of years. That was a, a very, very sad thing that I've been processing and not being on the inside, it's been harder because when you're not on the inside, you're you're out and people don't think of you. And I really haven't had the opportunity to grieve with former co-workers. And I learned this weekend, a uh, 62-year-old friend of mine, my longest standing friendship in Canada, Wayne Danielson, died of a heart attack. He, like me, he was born in 1961 and uh, was hoping to get to Eagle River, Ontario, to services tomorrow for uh, for Wayne. And I'm not sure if that's going to be doable. It's uh, It's hard to get to. Uh, flights or by auto, and um, I may have to postpone that trip until the celebration of life ceremonies in uh, in the summer when I hope to be back up there again. And then yesterday, learning of Bobby Hull's death, which I knew was a day uh, that was coming. I knew Bobby was in his early 80s. It had been three years since I talked to him. Uh, and he was in great spirits despite um, suffering from gout when we talked on the phone three years ago next month. And uh, he was going to come on my radio show the next day, but the Blackhawks pulled that interview. I knew the day would arrive when I would find people who are in powerful posts, Albert Brooks in broadcast news, would be celebrating the death of a hockey legend because he was for so many years, such a deplorable person. And um, that's that's undeniable. I, I don't deny that. I'm not here this morning to to defend spousal abuse. It's it's reprehensible. Bobby deserved all the criticism he received for that to continue to to pile on and express 
joy over his death without an understanding of what his actions decades ago cost him, I think is is insensitive. But hey, I'm insensitive too, right? We all have our demons and we all have the things we are willing to overlook. And uh, spousal abuse ain't one of them for me. And if you want my resume on how I have responded in my life to people who took their hand to a woman, I'll share that with you. My brother and I hospitalized a dude once for what he did to my sister, our sister. And, uh, and he got his, he learned his lesson for about a month. And, um, anywho, I'm getting off topic here. Um, I don't defend Bobby. I never have defended Bobby, but I, I looked at him based on the way he treated me and the way he treated my family, my wife, Sherry included, and my friends, and the way I saw him interact with Blackhawks fans since he was invited to rejoin the organization under the direction of John McDonough when McDonough took over in 08. And it has, it has been particularly painful for me to watch John McDonough, um, you know, destroying whatever equity he had built up in this town with his neglect of responsibility morally and ethically over the Kyle Beach situation. This has been a really shitty time. The Blackhawks had been the only organization I continued to root for. They were the only team that was capable of me capturing the spirit again of a wide-eyed 10-year-old. Bobby Hull and Stan Makita, Tony Esposito, they were so much a part of my youth. And to learn of Hull's behaviors years after the fact tore at me. I'd met him when I was a kid to get an autograph when a furniture store in my hometown of Highland, Indiana, Vans Home Furnishings, would bring in guys like Makita and Butkus uh, he's a colossal asshole too, by the way, and, you know, and Bobby and I met him. I got an autograph fine, but years later you find out why the Blackhawks weren't willing to, to come close to paying Hull what the WHA's Winnipeg jets offered him in 1972. The Blackhawks had grown tired of getting phone calls from police departments in the northern suburbs and hearing the complaints, legitimate complaints from Bobby's terrorized wife, Joanne. I didn't want to like Hull when I met him again around 1990. I was producing Chet Kopik's radio show on the old AM loop, and there was a Better Boys Foundation uh, benefit there was a roast and the 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 roasties were copic um a carnival barker and uh, at one point the king of the uh the king of the big rock candy mountain in his vernacular in chicago sports talk and johnny kerr the bulls first head coach longtime bulls broadcaster they were being roasted it, uh, I, I think it was at the Hyatt Regency downtown. It was a huge room. It was 800 people. And Bobby Hull was on the dais. And in the green room before the event, shaking hands and getting to know all the people who were there, and many of them I'd talked to on the phone, Hull was one of them. Kopik had an amiable relationship with the Golden Jet. 
And I didn't want to like him. I was predisposed to want. I was hoping he would be a dick to me. I was hoping he would he would just exude all of the behaviors I had been informed of to confirm this is not a guy you want to ever admire again. And if you were a kid my age, you had a poster of Hall in your bedroom, and you probably had one of Ernie Banks, another guy who couldn't look at a woman's ass without grabbing it well into his life, too. And the reason the Cubs pulled him from public appearances and reduced his role privately and quietly as an ambassador. If he showed up at all, he showed up late and he was liquored up and he had his hands all over people. Nobody wanted to hear about that afterward, just like nobody wanted to hear about Peyton or Dick. People want their heroes to remain their heroes. But Hull somehow didn't get this, didn't get this exemption. And I didn't want to like him. And he was cool to me. He was he was nice to me. So I, I kind of just passed it off as we'll see if this relationship ever develops, if I ever wind up talking to Hull again. And uh, if I ever wind up getting to know him, maybe I'll be open-minded to, uh, to Bobby Hull as a potential source on the show. And when McDonough became empowered, one of the first things he did was he said, we're going to get out of the grudge business. The Blackhawks and Hull parted ways with nothing but bad feelings in both directions. Hull didn't want to go to Winnipeg. He thought the Hawks would would wind up paying him what his star really had merited. And he took a chance on behalf of, of those who would follow him to stand up for what's right instead of instead of letting ownership dictate everything, just as Kurt Flood did in baseball with free agency. And he was vilified. And and Hull was, in some circles, vilified for defecting to the lesser WHA. And he starred there for a number of years, but it wasn't the NHL. So as the years move along, and I continue to become one of the few voices on Chicago terrestrial radio that thought the Hawks were worthy of discussion, I got to know Bobby Hall even more. And when McDonough was trying to put some money in the pocket of Hall, you 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 might recall hearing ads on sports talk or seeing them on television for autograph signings and appearances of of Bobby Hall. Uh, Binny's Beverage Depot, Binny's Liquors, was was one of the the primary sponsors, and Hall seemed to be getting a bunch of these. As was Makita, as McDonough was trying to reingratiate the organization to an era that had given up on him, and for a lot of reasons, they stunk for so long, and they still remained in the Stone Age from a marketing standpoint. Their games still weren't on television. So I'm joking to my afternoon show partners on ESPN 1000, Yurko and Harry, John Yurkovich and Harry Tynowitz. And I said, how much do you think, as we're doing the read, I said, how much do you think it would cost me to get the jet to work my basement this Sunday in very copic ease, to work my basement? Because I got some buddies who like hockey coming over. And uh, I told Danny Zetterman, who's now in charge of content at ESPN 1000, I said, call call the Jets people, call Benny's, 
have them put you in touch with the Jets people. And I want to find out. This was on a Thursday. And so I want to find out what it would cost to have Bobby Hull come to the house and work the room. And Hull's front man, Jim Pender, was listening and he called, he called Zetterman and said Bobby would want three grand uh, for two hours. And I, I thought about it for 30 seconds. And I said, you know, I'm making a stupid amount of money here. Uh, that's a really, really nice gift for my friends who enjoy hockey. I'll call 30 dudes, 15 dudes and their wives and, and have a bunch of guys over to, to listen to Bobby Hall tell stories for a couple of hours. I'll pay the three grand. And, um, and Bobby Hall came to the house on that Sunday in December of 08 with Jim Pender. And I was, I was not sure how it was going to go. I, uh, I didn't have any expectations, really. I, I was preparing myself for the worst because I've known for 30 freaking years, be careful of who you allow to be a hero in your life. And I, I want to get to that in, in a second, too, because all I have to do is walk downstairs to look at framed posters of movies and rock bands and sports heroes who, as the years have gone on, we've learned more and more made some colossal errors and were colossally disgusting in things they did, the ways they the ways they dehumanized other people. So Bobby Hull gets to the house on that Sunday, and he is uh, he's a total gentleman. He remembers everybody by their first name. He's willing to get on the phone with uh, my wife's uncle, who had friends in Canada, obviously enormous hockey fans, and they wouldn't believe him if he said he met Bobby Hull. So he put him on the phone, and Bobby was cool about that, and he stayed well, well over um, the amount of time he was scheduled to be there. Jim had to get him out. They had to pull him out of the house to get him to the United Center because that was the era when the Hawks still welcomed him and would put him on the Jumbotron uh, during games and people would applaud. And uh, you, you might recall early in one of those first McDonough years when they had the 57 convertible uh, top down uh, driving around United Center ice with Hall and Makita, who were rookies in 57. That was a McDonough creation and it was done to generate some goodwill for, you know, a bunch of fans who just had, had quit caring about the team. So Hall was, was tremendous. And I, I opened my mind to seeing if he could continue to exhibit good behavior and treat people the right way. And, and he did. And several years later, I had uh, gone back to the score and the Hawks caught fire. They continued to stay hot and they wound up winning a cup in 2010, and Bobby Hull became a correspondent on the show I was doing in middays with Matt Spiegel. We put him on regularly, and invariably he was punctual, he was engaged, he had a tremendous recall of every event in his career and was up to speed on the game today. He still possessed the ability to look at a game that had evolved enormously since his era and 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 make very astute observations why Marion Hosa was so special, how hard he worked when he didn't have the puck, the way he defended for 200 feet. Hull spotted those things and was awesome to have as, as a source for hockey information. 
I, I, I began to, as I was told many years ago, as I was taught to look at people based on how they treat you. And I, I learned, I, I started overlooking those, those things I'd known about Hull. I saw the ESPN mini doc in which Joanne talked about him beating her till she bled and holding her over a bed. It was, you know, I hated hearing that. I didn't want, you know, it was, it was horrible to learn this about somebody you admired so much, somebody who had so much, you know, so much cachet and, and provide so much he brought to that organization, even for non-hockey fans. And you find out these things and you say, man, how, how can you be open-minded to this guy? Well, I, 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 I passed it off. I'm just, you know, treating him how he treated me. And my wife, Sherry did an event with him. She was in a position to hire um, commission speakers for large assemblies of business people. And Bobby Hull wound up doing one of their events. He shook everybody's hand. He took everybody picture uh, pictures and signed autographs. He was, he was terrific. And he exemplified very, very gentlemanly behavior. And I, I wound up having a conversation with Bobby privately. And yeah, we'd emptied a bottle of wine. He was a boozer in his early days. He was a mean drunk. And we got to that. I asked him why when I was covering hockey uh, in the 90s and always in the Blackhawks dressing room and, you know, in the days of their rivalry with the St. Louis Blues when it was at its hottest, working the Blues locker room where his son Brett had become a megastar and one of the greatest players in the game's history as well. And I asked Bobby why I never saw him around. Why, why were you not more upfront when Brett's star ascended? And he told me he didn't want me there. And his, his face dropped and his head hung and he admitted he he lost what mattered to him more than anything and that was his family and it, it's his behavior cost him a job in the city he loved and never wanted to leave and his standing in the organization that made him a north american superstar it crushed him it took away what mattered to him the most and a lot of you are thinking, well, it should have. He deserves that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm confirming it did. If you wanted Hull to suffer, you get your wish. I'm here to tell you today he did. He lost his respect, the respect his sons, his daughter. His, his, he lost that. He lost his family. And he knew he'd earned that loss. He knew why the Hawks had had it up to their baby blues with the great golden jet. It cost him his job. It cost him where he earned his living and exiled, as he described it to me, to Winterpeg, which he wanted nothing to do with, but was willing to do for the benefit of those who followed him and were, you know, deserving of more money than NHL owners were willing to pay their mega stars who packed their stadia all around North America. It cost Hull his savings. 
He couldn't find any work after his career. He wound up selling memorabilia to afford a humble existence. And that's why he had to scratch and claw his way back to being solvent years later and take every appearance that was thrown in his direction. He suffered. Just so you know that, for for those who are still wanting your pound of flesh, you get it. You get it. And, uh, or I should say, you should feel good knowing he suffered. He That meant more to him than anything. And I called him three years ago. It was... It was the day before the 50th anniversary of his 500th career goal. This was February 20, I want to say, of 2020, almost almost three years ago exactly. And I said, I'd love to have you on my show tomorrow. There's a very special anniversary in your career tomorrow, Jet. And uh, he said, 500, Dano. And I, I said, yeah, uh, 500. And he said, I couldn't solve Ed Jockerman most times we played the Rangers, but I got him twice that night. And he remembered both goals like they happened last week. And he said he'd be happy to come on the radio the next day. When I promoted it the following day, the Blackhawks were either listening or were informed and immediately called the producers of the show and said, "Uh uh-uh, no Bobby Hall. They were afraid of, of him saying something that might, be inflammatory they also already were in protection mode and this is long before uh, the Kyle Beach scandal had been exposed they were playing things closer to the vest on how they were being perceived and way too tolerant of Hull's behavior beforehand there was a lot of pushback to Hull's involvement with the Hawks when he returned in 2008 or 09 one of the producers on the score or took to Twitter to celebrate the Hawks canceling and called Hall a racist and an anti-Semite, which never really was proven. I've heard a lot of people point to the article in a Moscow newspaper in the last 24 hours and uh, Hall vehemently denied saying what he allegedly said. I, I don't know if he was an anti say He never expressed any of those viewpoints to me in the 15-ish years or so. I got to know him much better. He never said anything that indicated to me he had. I'm not saying he didn't long ago. I'm not saying he didn't, but it was never proven. And, and if the writer who had that interview were so, you know, willing to to go forward and say no he said this why wasn't more made of it why wasn't it taken further the story died on the vine in in my mind now you can believe what you want and Hull came from a little town northeast of toronto by about 120 miles you see do my canadian math how many kilometers is that about 180 i think it's about a third more roughly a third more in kilometers. Uh, So I'm sure he grew up needing to unlearn unwelcoming of other cultures, traditions, and ideas. That doesn't surprise me in the least. I had to unlearn some of my father's Arkansas-ness, if you will. Like a lot of guys in the 50s, my dad's family 
came up here from Arkansas when mills were exploding everywhere, the steel mills of Northwest Indiana, a lot of people in the South came up to get jobs. And my dad's family did the same. And with them came Southern ideas. And, uh, that was the case all over my hometown. I had to unlearn. A lot of us unlearned things that we were told. Not so much from my dad, necessarily. Um, my dad taught me early. There are some words that are never acceptable in this house, and that's one of them. i, I not saying he was cool in a lot of his other ideas, but yeah, the N-word was not ever going to be used in our house on O'Day Drive in a lily white community took a long time for fathers to get that across to their sons to where it reached a tipping point. And I, I like to think it has. So the interview gets pulled in, uh, in 2020 and there's a celebration and there's a celebration, including the guy in the room with me, Danny Parkins is the same guy who wants the bulls to retire Derek Rose's Jersey number one. But I wanted to give a few minutes of, of balance today. And I wanted to let anybody who was was thirsty for learning of whole suffering to let them know um I can assure you Bobby suffered emotionally from what he made his family suffer emotionally emotionally and physically years ago so you uh, you hopefully will take some peace in that as you continue to uh to sharpen the blade and uh light the torches and wield the pitchforks for the greatest player in Blackhawks history. I want to thank Adam Delavitt for asking me to do this today. It uh, it wasn't fun for me. I want to thank Sam Michael for producing the show. Um, I'm going to crank out another at least 20 minutes later in the week on, um, on NFL news and um, the early hype machine for Super Bowl 57. I'm Dan McNeil. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.